Amateur Radio Newsline, report number 2290 with a release date of Friday, September 17th, 2021 to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. Tokyo's ham fair is canceled because of COVID. A special event station marks a birthday for a Voice of America station, and 1,000 new parks join the POTA program. All this and more is Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2290 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now, reporting from Union, Kentucky, here's Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Our top story this week is the cancellation of Tokyo Ham Fair 2021, the world's largest ham radio event. Yashinori Takeo, JG1KTC, chairman of the Japan Amateur Radio League, announced that JARL had been committed to holding the ham fair as planned on October 2nd and 3rd using extreme preventative measures against COVID-19, but new waves of infection made it necessary to call everything off. He expressed hope for better chances in 2022. The 2020 ham fair was also called off due to the pandemic. According to the JARL website, more than 42,000 people attended the fair in 2019 over the course of two days. The IARU Region 3 is also responding to the pandemic by holding its first digital regional conference. Jason Daniels, VK2, LAW, brings us that story. The IARU Region 3 conference kicks off on September 20th, and for its hosting organization, RAST, it was supposed to be three days of business and fellowship in Bangkok, Thailand. It will instead be held digitally, a first for Region 3, but a necessary response to the extraordinary circumstances of the COVID-19 pandemic. RAST's president, Jack Hamtongcom, Hotel Sierra One, Foxtrot Victor Lima, writes on the conference website, quote, We're excited about the opportunities of holding an innovative virtual conference, end quote. As such, the member societies will still meet in working groups to deal with technical, operational and policy matters typical of any such conference except for this. The 18th Regional Conference will take place on the Zoom platform. The tentative list of participants on the conference website includes attendees from Orari, the Indonesian Amateur Radio Society, the Chinese Taipei Amateur Radio League, the Chinese Radio Amateurs Club, the American Radio Relay League, and the Malaysian Amateur Radio Transmitter Society, amongst others. Jack writes further, quote, This conference will bring us together at what is a very difficult time for us all, end quote. For full details of the conference, go to the URL given in this week's script at arnewsline.org. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jason Daniels, VK2LAW. Meanwhile, in the U.S., AMSAT has also announced a change in plans for its 2021 Space Symposium and annual meeting. Originally scheduled to take place at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Bloomington, Minnesota, it will instead be held on Zoom on Saturday, October 30th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time. The program will be a mix of live question and answer sessions and pre-recorded video segments. Registration is required through the AMSAT member portal. AMSAT plans 
plans to make the event available for public viewing later on its YouTube channel. AMSAT announced the changes, citing concerns about safety during the COVID-19 pandemic. Remember Bob and Doug? No, not the fictional McKenzie brothers, but the NASA astronauts. SpaceX is remembering them, and Paul Brown, WD9GCO, tells us how. In August of 2020, Bob Behnken, KE5GGX, and Doug Hurley became the first astronauts launched aboard a Crew Dragon spacecraft in a historic commercial flight. This year, Bob and Doug were to play key roles in the splashdown stage of another history-making mission called Inspiration 4. Well, at least their namesakes were ready. Two vessels in SpaceX's recovery fleet were named for the pair in a nod to last year's mission which helped signal a new era in spaceflight. The ships bearing the names became part of the recovery fleet for Inspiration 4, which, with a crew of four private citizens aboard, marked the world's first all-civilian spaceflight. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO. The Voice of Freedom transmitted its first words from Westchester, Ohio, across the ocean in September of 1944 at the then-new Bethany Relay Station of the Voice of America. The Westchester Amateur Radio Association, WC8VOA, which calls the iconic building its home, is celebrating the Relay Station's birthday this year with a special event station on September 25th and 26th. Jocelyn Bro, KD8VRX, VA2VRX told Newsline that the club's shack is actually the original control room for the relay station. For the special event, be listening on 20 and 40 meters for sideband, FT8, and perhaps some CW as well. Those making a QSO are eligible for a downloadable certificate available 24 hours after the event. When it comes to batteries, tiny might just be the next big thing. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, explains why. The smaller the battery, the more powerful the possibilities. The designers of a new battery technology being used in a fitness tracker would like to think so. California-based Sila created the battery for a wristband tracker, and experts say the battery could revolutionize everyday electronics and perhaps have implications for modes of transportation, too. For now, the ultra-tiny powerhouses are in a niche market, a fitness tracker called the Whoop 4.0. According to a New York Times article, the battery has the same lifespan as the power source used in the previous model of that tracker, but it's a whole one-third smaller. Sila and Whoop together said the battery had potential for mass marketing and other devices in the next couple of years. Unlike lithium-ion batteries, which rely on ionization and the movement of lithium atoms, these new batteries use an anode made of silicon instead of graphite, requiring smaller space for the lithium atoms as they move from the anode side of the battery to the cathode. Sila and another company, QuantumScape, told the New York Times that their batteries will likely be used in a few short years in smart eyeglasses, electric cars, and maybe even flying cars one day. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. A well-known weather spotter and amateur radio operator in North Texas has become a silent key. Randy Sly, W4XJ, tells us about him. Charlie Byers, W5GPO, took the lead in tracking severe weather with his local amateur radio emergency services Skywarn Group, which he helped create in 1974. A licensed ham since 1959, Charlie died Sunday, September 12th. 
Devoted to alerting people in Archer and Wichita counties about dangerous weather, Charlie was a part of the Crucial Information Network in operation on April 20, 1979, when a deadly tornado swept through the region, killing 40 people and destroying thousands of homes. Over the years, Charlie's commitment to weather reporting found him in numerous roles, including ARES District Coordinator for eight counties. According to a report in the Times Record News of Wichita Falls, he was also the recipient in 2005 of an award from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Charlie Byers was 86. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Randy Sly, W4XJ. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the D-Star Reflector 91C in Melbourne, Australia, on Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. local time. Big plans are being made to mark the day radio amateurs proved they could send signals across the Atlantic. Jack Parker, W8ISH, tells us what's happening. December 11th, 1921 was a significant day for amateur radio. It was the day of the transatlantic test project when hams shortwave frequencies showed themselves to be capable of transatlantic radio communications even at 200 meters or less. The experimental transmission of Station 1BCG using a tube-based transmitter was conducted by the Radio Club of America on 1.3 MHz and resulted in successful reception in Scotland. 100 years later, December 11, 2021, will be an equally significant day. A replica of that transmitter will be used to reenact that CW transmission on 160 meters not far from the spot in Connecticut from which the original CW transmission was sent. Longtime Antique Wireless Association member Bob Ray to W2ZM, now a silent key, built the replica for a special event 25 years ago. AWA volunteers have spent lots of time lately refurbishing, wiring a plate supply, building a filament power supply, and sorting out usable tubes. For a day that comes along once every 100 years, radio operators and the transmitter need to be ready. AWA trustee Joe Stoles, K2AEI, told Newsline, quote, We have had the transmitter powered up and are able to get 350 watts RF on 160 meters with one amplifier tube. The next step is to construct a 160-meter antenna so we can do some actual on-air testing before December, end quote. Then be listening for the contact of the century. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jack Parker, W8ISH. Some equally important modern-day contacts are being planned for the big anniversary, and they involve radio societies in the U.S. and the U.K. Here's Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, with those details. The Radio Society of Great Britain also has big plans for the centenary of the first transatlantic personal message between radio amateurs. Nick Totterdell, G4FAL, the Society's HF Contest Committee Chairman, told Newsline that the ARRL and RSGB members are organising a number of activities surrounding the anniversary. There will also be a transatlantic QSO party to be held on the 13th and 14th of November, sponsored by the Radio Club of America. 
Nick said other activities will be disclosed soon on the Society's website and will appear in their Radcom magazine. The Society is hoping to maximise participation in the US and the UK and increase worldwide awareness of this achievement 100 years ago. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Bucci for NJH. If you activate or even chase parks on the air, you'll want to hear the first of this new monthly POTA report from Vance Martin in 3VEM. This month in Parks on the Air news, we have two exciting updates to share with everybody. Uh, First, we're excited to announce that we have recently added over 1,000 parks to the Parks on the Air system. For the last several months, we've had a small contingent of volunteers combing through user requests to add additional parks validating that those requested parks meet the criteria for inclusion in POTA, and formatting the list so that they could be added to the system. After hundreds of volunteer hours, the lists are now in the system and ready for you to go activate. Check out the maps and search pages at pota.app to see if any of these new units are in your area. Also in POTA news, we're excited to share that we are formalizing a Parks on the Air support desk. You can always continue to get community support via the Facebook group or via the POTA help channel in the POTA Slack group, but we have a small group of volunteers that have agreed to be on a rotating schedule to help you with your official technical support questions. To reach the official POTA support desk, all you need to do is send an email to help at parksontheair.com. We have coverage for most days of the week, so you will usually get a response within 24 hours, but no worse than 48 hours based on our volunteers' schedules. We won't solve every problem that fast, but you'll know that we're on it. Issues requiring level 2 support are generally resolved within the week. This is November 3, Victor Echo Mike. Be sure to visit parksontheair.com for more information about the program and poda.app for spotting, park information, leaderboards, and more. In the world of DX, DOM3Z9DX will be on Conway Reef west of Fiji activating as a one-man de-expedition to this, the 41st most wanted DXCC entity. DOM, who belongs to the Rebel DX group, expects to be on the air by the 17th of September and will be using the call sign 3Delta2 Charlie Radio. Be listening on 160 through 6 meters where he will be using CW sideband and FT8, FT4 for for about a two-week period. See QRZ.com for QSL details. Kayo JA7NQQ is on the air from Kathmandu, Nepal as 9N7NQ until the 23rd of September. This is not a de-expedition, so he will only be operating during his free time, likely 2300 to 0100 UTC and 1200 to 1500 UTC. Be listening on 40 to 10 meters where he will be using mostly FT8 mode. His QSL information is at QRZ.com. Brian N3OC and Bud AA3B are on Antigua, operating as V26OC and V26K, respectively, until September 20th. Be listening on the HF bands and 6 meters, QSL via their home call signs, Logbook of the World, or Club Log OQRS. Mike VK4DX will be on the air from Russell Island, OC137, between September 23rd and the 26th, operating on 40 through 15 meters. He will be using CW, FT8, and sideband. Bo OZ1DJJ is active as OX3LX from Greenland until the 21st of September, operating on the low bands with a vertical antenna. Send QSLs via OZ0J. 
Our final story is a retelling of the old fable that slow and steady wins the race. For one Australian club, it's especially true for fans of CW. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, picks up the story slowly. The Peel Amateur Radio Group believes there's no business like slow business, especially when it comes to CW. The club, based in Mandurah, West Australia, has been on a mission to get CW to flourish amongst its newer members and to rekindle the keys of others among them. They credit one member, Tony VK6DQ, with leading the charge through the nighttime coaching sessions. The club itself has already run a pair of slow CW contests on 80 metres this year for members and non-members alike. The third event, on Saturday, September 18, extends the competition throughout all of the Oceania region. It's actually not a competition at all. It's about being friendly and taking your time. In fact, downloadable guidelines on the club's website tells readers, and I quote, you'll make mistakes and you'll hear others making mistakes while they're learning too. Relax, have fun and don't sweat the small stuff, end quote. It's not that the club is in any big rush to find slow senders, but members do want to encourage the slowest of the slow to get in on the action. In fact, members David Millett, VK6FAAZ, and Mark Bosma, VK2KI slash VK6QI, have written in a Facebook post, and again I quote, Please give it a go, no matter how bad you think you are, it's all about having a go and having some fun. End quote. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Graham Kemp, VK4BB. With thanks to AMSAT, the Antique Wireless Association, the ARRL, CQ Magazine, David Bihar, K7DB, DXWorld.net, IARU, Japan Amateur Radio League, Joe Stoltz, K2AEI, NASA, the New York Times, Ohio Pen DX, Peel Amateur Radio Group, QRZ.com, Radio Society of Great Britain, the Soda Reflector, Southgate Amateur Radio News, ShortwaveRadio.de, Space.com, Ted Randall's QSO Radio Show, Wichita Falls Times Record News, WTW. WW Shortwave and you are listeners. That's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You can write to us at newsline at arnewsline.org. For more information or to support us, visit our official website at arnewsline.org. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the news desk in New York and our news team worldwide, I'm Neil Rapp, WB9VPG in Union, Kentucky, saying 7-3 and as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2021, all rights reserved.